read the text from my phone this morning. Remember when I told you not to do that? Um, I'm trying to model a new and better way, or not maybe not better, a new way of reading the text. And so if you have your Bible, you can get it out and turn to Exodus chapter 3. If you have your phone, you can get it out and go to your Bible on your phone and turn to Exodus chapter 3. You can uh, follow along on the screens. The, uh, the text will be printed up there as well. So pop quiz. Uh, I don't want to pick on anybody in particular, Marge, but <laughs> do you uh, happen to know what ex- anybody happen to know what Exodus three is without looking? Hint is on the screen. If you can tell what that is, Exodus three is Moses and the burning bush. If this was a Baptist church, they would have known that, by the way. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But we, but, but we have better theology. Let's read this together. I'll read it. You follow along. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, what, and What's his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation and wisdom and courage as we try to apply God's truth to our lives. Amen.
Remember last week we started talking a little bit about names and how names of people can kind of change over time. And I told you the story about meeting or seeing this girl, this really pretty girl between third and fourth period class when I was a junior in high school and that eventually I learned she's not just this girl between third and fourth period class. Her name is Michelle Edwards. And so then she had a name. Something had changed. And then I learned that she was Michelle Edwards, sister of Jimmy Edwards, and then I learned that she was Michelle Edwards, this girl that I was dating, and then she became Michelle Edwards, my girlfriend, and then she became Michelle Edwards, my fiance, and then Michelle Whitaker, her name changed again, and then she became Michelle Whitaker, mother of my children. And over time, as we get to know people, we know them in new ways, and in a sense, their name changes because they kind of form who they are in our lives. We talked a little bit about that last week. This kind of picks up where that left off with names being an important part of this particular text. Names are an important part in Scripture, period. This text is about the Israelites being held in captivity. And you know what the name Israel means? Anyone? The one who wrestles with God. You may remember that Jacob was born and he was named the heel or the prankster or the jokester or the, the, uh, (laughs) basically not to be trusted one. That was his name. That's Jacob. And so Jacob was raised and was grown. And you remember the night that he wrestled with God and somehow he gets the upper hand on the angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord says, let me go and Jacob says, not until you bless me. And then the blessing happened like this. God said, from now on, your name will no longer be Jacob, but your name will be Israel, the one who wrestles with God. And then he popped his hip out of socket and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. The blessing is for Israel, for us, that we wrestle with God. God is that real in our lives, right? That's, that's who God is. And so if you come across a text in Scripture, it is okay to wrestle with God in that text. Do not let God go until God blesses you somehow. If you're having a hard time in your life, it is completely okay to question and to argue with God and to try to hold God down until God blesses you somehow. That is the blessing that God gave to Jacob By changing Jacob's name to Israel, the one who wrestles with God, recognizing that that is a blessing. But here's the warning. You'll never be the same. You'll walk with a limp of some sort. So here we have Moses, a descendant from Israel, the ones who wrestle with God, wrestling with God. Moses walking along, tending the flock, doing what a good shepherd does. He's kind of known as a bandit anyway, but he's calmed down and settled down a little, and he's walking along with his flock, and up on the side of the hill he sees a bush burning. Now, if I'm tending sheep, if that's my job is to protect sheep, I will notice a bush burning, right? But this one was strange because it was engulfed in flames, but for some reason it was not burning up. It was not being consumed by fire. So Moses, being the curious person that he was, walks over to check this out. And as he approaches, he senses the presence of God. Then he hears God say to him, Hey Moses, 
this thing that's happening in front of you is holy and the ground you're standing on is holy. Remove your shoes. So Moses kicks his shoes off as a sign of respect for the place that he's standing and for this presence that he's in. And then God reminds him, I'm the God of your forefathers. I'm the God with whom your namesake wrestled. And I have a task for you. I'm inviting you to join me in what it is that I need to do because your people are enslaved and they're crying out and they're praying. So here's the thing. I have this kind of cynical way of thinking about prayer sometimes, full confession. I kind of am with Pope Francis that maybe we ought to stop praying so much and start doing something. So when I walk into the church this morning and see all of those tables set up with all of the stuff, I don't see people working. I see prayer happening. Because prayer happens with our eyes closed and our mouths open and our mouths open and our eyes closed. And prayer happens with our hands and our feet. Prayer happens in a lot of different ways. But I think sometimes we just spend so much time quietly praying to God, asking for some sort of miracle, and God is saying, get up and go do the thing. Stop praying and start doing. Because doing is a prayer also. So the people of Israel are crying out to God, and they don't know what to do because they're enslaved, and they're having to make bricks without straw, and it's just just literally, literally the worst form of slavery. And so... Moses. And God says, Moses, here's your invitation. I'm going to answer your people's prayer, but it's going to happen through you if you want to do this thing. So I need you to leave your stuff, go to Egypt. Walk into Pharaoh's court. And you remember the story of Moses, right? He was raised in Pharaoh's court and he fled because they were going to kill him. And so God is saying, go back to this place that you were deathly, literally deathly afraid to stay and you fled. Go back. Walk into Pharaoh's court whom you've known your whole life and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses, as we all would do, is getting ready to say, well, hang on a second. See, who am I to do this thing? But maybe more importantly, who are you? What's your name? God says, this is what you say to the people when you go to them and rescue them out and say, come and follow me, let's get out of here. And they say, well, who is it that sent you? This is what you say. You say to them, I am who I am sent me. You just say to them, I am sent me. There's all sorts of translation arguments about that phrase and all sorts of theological discussion that happens about this phrase, I am who I am, I am sent me. Is it, I will be who I will be, I am who I am, maybe it's a little bit of both. It's kind of like that time where God says to the Israelites, you should make a prayer prayer shawl. It's going to be a circle, and I want you to put tassels on the corners. What? I think a lot of times, 
We're asking God, what is it that you want me to do? And God is saying, I want you to go. Surprise me. Surprise me. Where are we going today? I've known a lot of college kids throughout my life, and they always have this struggle. I had the same thing. What is the path that God wants me on? What is God calling me to do? And I think God is saying, there's not one path. There are paths. Pick one, and let's go. And there are times that we sense the invitation of God saying, come down this path. But if you go down that path, I'll be with you there also. But this is the path. I need you to come down this path right now because this is the biggest life for you at this moment. You might be able to go down that path later. So Moses finds himself at this intersection and he is scared to death. Morning Star United Methodist Church. I have zero doubt that God is inviting you as individuals to do something. And I have zero doubt that God is inviting us as a congregation to do something. But the way we get to the us is through the individual eyes I'm doing this thing. So, what is it that God is inviting you to do? What's that thing that when you think about it, your heart stirs a little bit, and maybe you have a little bit of fear, and maybe there's some nervousness, and maybe there's some excitement. What is that thing that God is inviting you to do? Because here's the thing. We're not that different from Moses, and what we're going to say is, okay, God, hang on a second. Uh, I can't do that because, and you're going to have some reason. And God's going to say, just remember, I am. I am. I am back then, and I am up there, and I am right now. I'm with you. I am. And I will be who I will be. And I'll be with you. You're not going to do this thing alone, and when it's all over, this mountain that you're standing at, you're going to come back and you're going to remember In our house, we have this phrase that my kids say to me as often as I say it to them if I screw up. Dad, no excuses and no explanations. And I say to them if they screw up, no excuses and no explanations. Just do the thing. Whatever it is that you're supposed to do, just do it. There's no good excuse for not, and there's no explanation for why you didn't. Just do it. I think God is essentially saying that to Moses, and Moses is trying like crazy to get out of this thing. So the first is, okay, but uh, God, if I go to them, they're going to think I'm crazy. Who sent me? And and now I need to know your name. So here's the thing about names. We're back to that again. If you know someone's name... and. If you know someone's name in the biblical way, right, where you know something about their character, you have a little bit of power over them, right? Stuart and I know each other. We've gotten to know each other pretty well over the last few months. He knows some things about me. And I know some things about him. And because of that, we have trust in our relationship, but also we have a little bit of leverage with one another if we wanted to use it. 
It's just the way relationships work. So God, Moses is saying, I need to know your name. I need to know who you are and what you're about. Remember, Moses comes from those who wrestle with God. And remember, Moses is known as kind of being the person who knows how to work a political system well. So he's trying to get the upper hand on God. And God just says this vague statement, I am who I am. You're going to find that out as we go. So here's the theme. It doesn't matter if you stutter or you stammer, Moses. Because guess what? You say you can't talk, you can't speak fluently. You have that brother. Remember your brother Aaron? He's a good talker. And I know that's not the way you're supposed to say that. He's a good talker. And so go and he'll speak for you. You tell him what to say and he'll say it. Right then and there, God says, the way I work is I will invite you to do something. You do that something, but there's going to be a community of people that help you do that something. Uh, now we've got God, and we've got Moses, and we've got Aaron, and together amazing things can happen. Whatever it is that God is inviting you to do, you are not alone in that thing. You are not alone. If nothing else, you have God with you. But beyond that, you have a community of people with you. And if you don't, let's get you one. God works through communities. The last thing I want to say about this text is this. This is the last time in the biblical record that Moses ever asked God who God is. As you get off the couch and jump into the game that God is inviting you to jump into, the more you do that, the less you wonder who God is. And the less you wonder if it's God's voice that you're hearing because you begin to know it. And you begin to know how to sense it. And what happens is before long, you're taking these steps of faith that don't even feel like a step of faith to you. And other people may see it that way. For example, literally uh, nine years ago this weekend, Michelle and I moved. I guess this is a theme in our lives. Labor Day weekend, you move. And so nine years ago this weekend, we had sold our house. We packed up a moving truck. We moved from Carlsbad, New Mexico to Denver, Colorado. We didn't have much money, and we didn't know a soul. We literally didn't know a person there. We got there and found out that the place we thought we were going to live, we couldn't live in. So we were technically homeless for a couple of days. Now, we, we had enough money to get a hotel room, and we knew we were going to have a place to stay, so it wasn't like we were truly homeless. I guess we were without home for a few days. Never in the midst of that did I question the decision. Now, I questioned myself, and I questioned... Um, I questioned my abilities during all of that, but I never questioned whether God was actually inviting us to take this step. But there were other people that I would meet that would say, that's crazy, how, how are you doing that? How did you just drop your stuff and go and do it? And it didn't seem like a big deal to me at all. But one day, there was a, a Catholic seminary not far from the house that Michelle and I lived in, and so I would go over there and study in their library because... Their library made me feel like I was studying in Hogwarts. And do you ever have you ever been in a library or in a place that just physically being there makes you feel smarter? 
that was how this place was. And so I thought, just by osmosis, uh, I'm going to soak in all of the knowledge from these books because this place, this place is so smart. And I was sitting one day reading, and uh, these guys that were studying to be Catholic priests walked past me. And I just happened to look up and acknowledge them. And I started thinking, they're about 25, 26 years old. And they're studying to be Catholic priests. Now, the only thing we know for certain about Catholic priests is that they've taken a vow of celibacy. I don't know about you, but when I was 24 or 25, that was not something I was interested in. (laughs) But also, the other thing we know is that Catholic priests choose an order to affiliate themselves with. And some of those orders require a vow of poverty. And I'm sitting there looking at these guys, and everybody I know that's in their mid-twenties is ambitious, wanting to make money, wanting to find a partner, wanting to get married, wanting to have a, a certain kind of life. And these guys are doing something completely different. They're following an invitation to God, and I thought, man, what kind of faith does that take? Because what happens when you put yourself around people who are taking steps of faith the way that Moses did, and the way that Aaron did, and the way that Jacob did, and the way that Israel did, and the way that Stuart does, and the way that Mike does, when you put yourself around people who are taking steps of faith, their faith inspires you. And sometimes you think, I'll never have that kind of faith. And the next thing you know, you're doing a thing that takes a lot of faith and it doesn't even feel like it. So Morningstar, whatever it is that's causing you to have that anxiety, whatever it is that God is inviting you to do, please get off the couch and get into the game and do it. We need for you to be that kind of person. We need for you to have that kind of faith because it inspires us to do more. We need to be able to walk with you in that and you show us what it means to have faith and take steps of faith. And, and we need as a community to continue moving in faith together. And we know that we are not alone because I am is with us. Thanks be to God.